0: Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We're on episode number 65, absolute pleasure to have you on board. Today's episode, I'm joined by Ashley Whitaker, who is the founder of Snack Proud, Snack Proud is an innovative snacking solutions for mainly businesses. It's safe to say Ashley has had a pretty shit year when most businesses have shut their offices and everyone's working from home. In this episode, you'll hear how Ashley has not only created a great concept, but how she has adapted her business model to fit with the current situation that's going on. This episode is great. Not only do we talk about snacking innovation, how she's created a great business concept and it's just grown, but also how she's expanded her range so that hopefully after all this she'll be bigger, better and stronger. Absolute pleasure chatting to Ashley. She's a barrel of energy and she's just got some great knowledge and insights as well around the snacking experience. I just want to do a huge shout out to our main sponsor, Huff and Puff, who allow me just to continue this podcast and keep it growing. So thank you very much, guys. I absolutely love your support. Puff Pork Crackle is Australian owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand fried and available in a range of flavours. The tasty crunch is hard to resist welcome back to the show everybody we have a fantastic guest you're not just going to be listening to my voice today you're going to be hearing from ashley whittaker so welcome to the show ashley how are you
0: hey then i'm great thank you so much for having me
1: um, not a problem at all and we were meant to hit record last week but a bloody toothache or just worse than a toothache to be honest uh, got in the way so i hope mm-hmm. you're feeling a lot better and uh and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your story because I've, it sounds a weird way, but I've probably stalked you for longer than I've known you. Um, and actually, you, you are the founder of Snack Proud which is an awesome subscription service and also a corporate snacking box but I'll let you discuss and talk more about what it is so that I don't ruin the bubble but Ashley welcome to the show can you yep. introduce yourself and give a little uh, overview of what you do
0: Absolutely so um yeah my name's Ashley and I currently run a business called Snack Proud so Um, we sort of really specialise on corporate snacking. Um, My experience, um, both sort of um, in the snack box subscription space, but also we've kind of ended up um, specialising over the years in sort of budget-based snacking programmes. So we work with our clients really closely to understand their their headcount, their budget, their display solutions, what products they really want to have in their um, pantry program and help design and manage their menus. Um, So that's extended a lot further over the years out from just being snack-based, but to beverages, to cereals, to yogurts, um, to all sorts of different products. And um, we also have a sort of a pantry management service where we'll stock shelves and things like that. So it's really providing a sort of a holistic service in the office um, and just one-upping the the office experience really and making um office life healthier so it's super fun and i love working with our clients and being a being a very collaborative process and getting feedback from the staff on what's moving well and all sorts of things so yeah but before that um i my actual background was in totally different um i was a mobile app designer at macquarie bank so
1: were you um, really wow
0: yeah yeah so that's where i started snack proud actually um I was um, there for about um, 18 months as a contractor designing their banking app. And um, the first year was really busy because we were like launching it straight from scratch. But the last sort of six months, like we kind of delivered most of the features. So I was getting itchy because I've am i always been quite entrepreneurial. And I had another food business in New Zealand, actually, um, which was like New Zealand's first range of gluten and dairy free frozen meals to be delivered into supermarkets. Um and through that, I'd kind of seen um, how hard it was being a small brand um, in the supermarkets, as I'm sure you've kind of um, gone over with your a lot of your other podcast um, people, Ben.
1: Yeah, um, indeed.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, you know, at the time I found getting in store was quite easy because I had a unique value proposition. And I was this young 20-year-old girl that, you know, buyers wanted to give a go sort of thing. But staying on shelf was hard. So I always really liked the idea because at that time when I was doing that business, I was also working three days a week in that business and then two, um, sorry, two days a week in that business and three days mm-hmm. in my corporate IT job. And I'd always loved this idea of bringing healthier stuff into the office, but being a frozen meal, you know, <laughs> you kind of limited with yeah. the shelf this way. So um, it was when I was at Macquarie, I just saw like the overload and like, biscuits and you know just your standard cookie jar stuff which is like so much spin goes toward that but it's so boring so um
1: tell me about it like like people this is where in this day and age a fruit box is the probably the excitement of the delivery of the office and you're like oh have a look at snack proud like can we stop getting this fruit box when all these goodies are coming from snack proud let's change but yeah it's it's, it's interesting that people still love the fruit box
0: Mm. Yeah, so I mean, like I think there's a different sort of um, like space and for fruit in the office. Um, definitely, is still a great thing to have, but it's more of that. Like, if, if anyone uh, anyone who's listening to this who has a fruit box in their office knows that it's usually gone by. Um, you know, if you're not in by like nine or ten AM, it's like you're, you're kind of getting like the. The moldy mandarin <laughs> at the bottom you know what i mean so it's like um this is kind of really we're trying to cater to the afternoon snack period so that's kind of um you know just being in that corporate environment and by myself um and we were down in barangaroo and it's like you know all the cafes close at 3 p.m mm. and so if you want to get a snack then you're kind of stuck you know it's like the vending machine or you've got to go to like the local convenience store and pay an extortionate price for, like, a chocolate bar, you know what I mean? Yeah. So having um, easy access, especially in corporate towers, you know, getting in and out of the lifts when you're in, a like, a 40-storey tower, like, that's a tax, you know. That's, like... Okay. That's like, an, you know, it takes you. By the time you get down the lift and get out and around, um, you're you're out of the, your quick snack breaks like thirty minutes, let alone the time to refocus and all of that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's where I just like with corporate well being a lot more important. Um, you know, there were corporates that were kind of investing in healthier choices for their staff.
1: That's impressive. Well, I I love the concept. I'm a huge fan, and I I, I just love the range that you now have on offer, and I just find it fascinating that you kind of bring innovative snacking to the forefront as well but I don't want to touch on that just yet I just want to touch back when you first started Snack Proud like do you remember your first account and how did that go
0: yeah it's so funny actually because like when I first started it I was like because Macquarie was my test case right so Mm -hmm. I was still working there and it was just this weird side project I was doing and I would like Buy all the snacks. Um, like, I would, I remember going to, like, the, the mo I guess the idea came to me when I was at Naturally Good, which is like my favorite day <laughs> you know? And, like, go there and, you know, you see all the suppliers there and um, everyone wants distribution. So I was just like, oh, yeah. Um, so I just like got some business cards, emailed them, and I was like, oh, can I like buy your stuff wholesale? And I'm going to sell it in my office. So I just like would yeah. put it out with a cash box. And I thought that, Selling it into my own company where I worked would be like easy, but then I realized how impossible it was to go through enterprise size procurement. Um, <laughs> when they and so I started trying to like go out to other enterprises, and it was just I was getting knocked back and knocked back, and I just kind of yeah. ended up being like, "This is a waste of my time." Yeah, and then I got an inquiry from a um, a tech company, um, Indeed in Sydney, and they were just like. Ended up wanting like this full service, which is not what I ever planned on doing. But it was, I kind of came across this pain point and um, started working with them. And I was still working at Macquarie at this time, and it was a really big account. And it was actually probably my biggest account for like the most like the entirety yeah. of my business. Um, and that was my first account. And then the next one was LinkedIn. And so I got these two quite big accounts as my first two while still working at the bank. And like um, and so. I think it was kind of from there that I was like, oh, might as well just give us a crack um, full time, you know, um, just for a little while, because just because my corporate job was in mobile apps and UX, that was just in quite high demand. So I was like, oh, if it all falls over, I can just like go back to corporate world, you know. So yeah. that was kind of how that came about.
1: That's impressive. And then fast forward, then a few accounts. How did that start looking from kind of then you venturing out and going, I need to find more snacks and at the end of the day how I see you and your business is you have some great insights as to which snacks work and Mm. just to touch on that probably now is like do you do you sell that as ice as a service to kind of brands to say well you can use me as a test bed or do you have you already done your research already to say yep these snacks will work based off um what hasn't worked in the past how does that work
0: yeah that's a good question um ben i think it's a bit of both really um we we definitely get some um brands that want to sort of launch a new product or test a new product that will come to us and we we might just you know put it into a few clients offices and see how it goes because usually it is free to the staff to take so we'll kind of know if it moves and the interesting thing is you would think that if anything's free it will just go immediately but with sometimes it doesn't like <laughs> you know we've had like you know what would be considered a really amazing high quality product compared to the usual crap in an office and it'll just sit there on shelf and it won't move even though it's free so
1: oh, we you know, you know go. you've got a bad product when that's yeah. the case
0: that in a few scenarios all well, the thing is as well it's like it might be popular for a period of time But then they get over it and we have to change it. And so very much aware of trends, rotating menus, getting the right balance of products and all of that sort of thing because it's very – like, you know, especially in some of the smaller offices, they might, you know – They might have even like 50 people, like something like there might just be one or two people that like that one product and that product will be ordered for those two people. But then those two people leave the company or they're sick for a week or they're, you know, in America doing sales training. And so, like, then that product sits there. And so, you know, it's this really fine line of like that's where we kind of have built the expertise around managing menus and product rotation because – it's quite complicated and it's not the same in every office. It's different in every office. Even if it's at the same company on a different floor, there's all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it's um, just, we've, we've definitely streamlined it, but knowing how to design those menus is really important.
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I always think that, yeah, if, if there's, because we have it here, we, we put all, like we get a lot of samples from various suppliers all over the world and, you kind of use it as a test bed, like you throw them all out on the the kind of the kitchen uh, work surface, and you kind of know the ones that will go and the ones that just get left over. You kind of go, oh, there's there's some poor soul somewhere in the world thinking that's going to be the next chia seed kind of thing, and you're just like, oh, this is not this is not going to work out for you. No, no one wants it. <laughs> and I think,
0: I, well, like we do, kind of like I kind of have a good enough of idea now. If I get approached by a brand. Like sometimes they might have a really interesting product, but it's it's designed for retail. It's not designed for the office. So it's just the wrong portion size. I'm like, I just can't work with that. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's too big. Like, you know, if it's 100 grams or 80 grams, it's too big. Um, like And so it comes down to also the price point. Um, as well the price point and has to work in the corporate world as well as the portion size so yeah. usually I can tell if that that's probably another criteria that I really look at look at I will also like look at you know just the ingredients um the flavors all of that sort of thing the packaging is it modern will it appeal just typical things that any other buyer would look at I suppose
1: interesting you're kind of like a, a snacking consultant expert yeah right, yeah,
0: that's it. yeah. <laughs> no I mean it's yeah. cool because we do like we we do see a lot of samples coming through just and and so like kind of know what's kind of happening um around the place and sort of what's coming through and stuff
1: interesting well let's touch on trends um and then i want to touch on kind of the crazy year that 2020 has been because a lot of your business will have been office focused Mm -hmm. but before we touch on that like you you will see the trends coming through and you'll be getting feedback from the office like oh janice in finance is gluten free and sandra has got bloody she Mm -hmm. doesn't have dairy etc and Ken bloody is keto like what um this year which again has been a crazy year because everything's just up in the water but what trends were you seeing that you were seeing in the boxes? And
0: do you
1: see that they are early adopters for you or are they kind of mainstream to what you see on the market?
0: Um, I think it's probably – it's definitely what's coming through in the market, but it's like, um, you know, just things like low-carb is um, Mm. definitely, you know, people kind of looking for the, yeah, just even more natural options, whether that's kind of like the jerky, the nuts, the – Anything like that, or the low carb type pro the bars. Um, yeah. and also, I mean, I guess from a sourcing perspective, I've always sort of really focused on trying to find products that are more natural and like you know, I don't like the bars that have a lot of sugar alcohol, or definitely avoid. Um, but also, um, keto is definitely a big one. Um, and vegan gluten-free but um I think again like just when I'm sourcing it's trying to be quite strategic and picking products that are free of like a lot of colon like common allergens and tick a lot yeah. of options in one just because it makes that a lot easier
1: interesting nah, because yeah in the snacking world there's there's so many different call-outs and um everyone wants different requirements. So I can see mm. your job being pretty hard uh to try and cater for all. And yeah, it makes sense trying to have a snack that yeah kind of fits a few call-outs, which uh which most of the snacks seem to it be really going good. into. Right? It's
0: not too hard, you know, when if you are getting a good quality product.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's touch on this year because I can only imagine you've had several headaches and <laughs> i'm not sure i I'm, I'm i completely uh, understand why you had two fake i'd be having um headaches as well on top of that like what's this year meant for you uh, as a business and also like personally like how, how have you coped
0: yeah um look it's been a bit of a roller coaster if i'm going to be honest um it was kind of like we noticed um like yeah just to be clear, like my pretty much my whole business was through offices. Like yep. we we've always had an e-commerce store. It has, um, it wasn't. It was just kind of a little weird value add thing that was there. But like even our messaging on our website was very much um, corporate driven. So it, people didn't really think of us in that way. So yeah, most of my business was through offices, and it was probably like early March. Um, like just probably a couple of weeks to a month before shutdown. Um, that I noticed, you know, some some clients were starting to have, like, half of their office working from home just because they were conscious of it, you know. And yep. and it was meaning that our order sizes were shrinking. They weren't being cut, but they were just like, I'll send us every second week instead of every week because um, yep. we've got a lot more people working from home. And they just weren't getting – like, we had a budget, but it wasn't getting eaten through pretty much. So um, that started to happen initially. And then it was kind of that week before lockdown where yeah. – everything started to gain momentum and it was just customers were just dropping like flies. Oh. And there was with no notice too, which was the hard part, like literally big customers, which had like, you know, a lot of spend on a weekly basis, like finalizing that week's orders. We were getting in fresh yogurts for them to deliver the next day. And then next minute, oh, sorry, we're closing.
1: Oh. And
0: so... That was really hard. Like it was literally like within like two or three days, just everyone dropped. And so it was frightening. I I can tell you that. Um, I just remember sitting in a cafe going to a sales meeting and it was actually probably like, while not, we didn't like some customers hung in there right till the end. It was more like none of my sales meetings were converting, you know, because there was, it was, and it was a shaky time. So that was sort of like another thing, but I just remember sitting in a cafe and like that day, it was a day of like everything shut. I think I had like three or four big ones, just like closed. And I remember sitting in a cafe, just like ringing my dad and crying. So I was like, no, <laughs> like, he's not, you know, it was just so scary. But um, so, you know, that was, that, that happened and, and that was a stress. And then, um, it, but then we kind of just you know reached out and I, I I had this idea of doing care packs so I was like you know well you know our customers have this budget maybe they'll reallocate it and send it to home and initially when we had a lot of the closures it was only going to be for two weeks that's whatever yeah. we will just be home for two weeks and I think that was the mindset so everyone's like oh you know we can we can just send our staff a care pack at home and and that will kind of be a nice feel-good thing to set this off and and that, that next month actually was probably one of our big sales months. So it kind of went from nothing to a really big month. And then it was this weird thing. And then, and I was kind of like, I was actually really enjoying business at that time. I was like, oh, I'm loving this. It's because it's like, you know, I think probably with a lot of people, um, you have the time to like focus on doing you know, all the things that you talked about innovating with um, in the past, but you get so bogged down in your day to day, you never do it. So I was like, oh, this is my opportunity to focus on consumer and, you know, do, do like fix up my website and look at my brand and do all those things. And, um, but then it was like, so that was a great thing. And I was on a bit of a hide because I was like, oh my God, we went from nothing to this like awesome month, you know? And, yep. um, yeah and then and it was just kind of showing that our relationship with our client, customers is really strong as well and got a whole bunch of new ones through and like lots of inbound and all that sort of stuff which was great and then um but then I suppose like the pipeline started to dry up after that because it's like it wasn't recurring you know it was more of, like a couple of them diff- did recur but not all of them and then some of them um were just quite large drops so it wasn't like heaps and then yeah it was just um I think when it, it was more of that sort of freak out again, it was kind of around like maybe May, June. And I was realizing that shit, like they're not going back to the office anytime soon, you know, and, and, and when staff go back, it's going to be like 25% of the workforce. It's not going to be the full headcount Cause I thought, I think a lot of businesses, um, were of the mindset if you can justify these few months you'll end up going back stronger and I was very much of the mindset like that but then um yeah when I sort of realized it was going to take a lot longer yeah it, it was it was becoming hard you know so um yeah it's wow. been it's been a bit rocky it's just like we've just we have sort of I've had to go through a bit of a yeah mentally it's been it's been draining like I'm doing a lot better now and I've I've, um but there was some areas where I think I think it was overwhelming to me because I was kind of trying to figure out how do I rebuild my b2b business model while simultaneously trying to create a fresh b2c business model so it was like it was all it was so much pressure you know trying to do both at the same time and not really knowing what the market wanted and I think probably like so many um business owners could probably relate to it's like or or just anyone really it's like no one knows what's happening and I think it was like I feel I you know I got through a branding agency on to help me and I, I feel sorry for them because so I probably seemed like such a mess because I was <laughs> on giving them like sort of direction but then I would get like an update from my clients and my I'll be like oh crap no we're not going to focus on this right now because they aren't coming back and I thought that this was a focus but now it's not and I think everything was continuing to change and evolve and no one knew what was happening so it was hard to sort of get direction you know
1: Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine like your headspace. Like just, just getting one bad email sends me into a mood for a while. Yeah. Like, not seeing a, an email come through saying, "Oh, yeah, can you hold the next couple of weeks orders? And you're like, what the fuck? Like this yeah, is my yeah. livelihood. And you've got your own warehouse. Is that correct? Like that's, yeah. which is, you've got some overheads to pay and it's not just, we're not talking just Ashley in her bedroom, just like packing a yes. few boxes. Like, no, I mean
0: that's the most frustrating thing. It's just like, because we, we moved into this warehouse. Like I finally, like after having the business for three, four years now, I took out my own warehouse, got my own warehouse and ops manager or like, you know, set up properly on my own. <laughs> In, in november last year I of november um oh. and so it's just and like you know we were starting to get into a rhythm of running our operation ourselves so that outsourced it prior to this and so yeah it's just like okay now we're sitting on all this and it's like i'm not sure now if our warehouse is too like it, our warehouse was the right size for um yeah. you know our previous our previous um the way we were working and and the amount of um the size of the deliveries but now it's it's definitely a good size if we get these large orders through, but like yeah. I'm like I'm not sure if it's the right thing going forward. So yeah, it's, it's like I'm still kind of stuck in, at that point about what to do going forward. Um, like I definitely want to keep the control. Um, having having outsourced it before, I, I don't really want to go back there. But um, yeah, maybe we just have to kind of shrink down a little bit for um the next six months, and then maybe look at scaling back up again if, if things grow. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I I can't, I can't imagine, yeah, kind of, yeah, your headspace and what's going on, but I, what I have seen and it's interesting that social media plays a role. Like I can imagine you having sleepless nights, but what I have seen from a, from a customer perspective and just kind of someone in the industry is that you have adapted so well to kind of the, the situation and just by you put in those care packages and all the different box options that you've got available. like that. That's a business in itself where you've just turned it on in a couple of literally weeks uh, from what I've seen. And they're absolutely fantastic options which cater for so many different consumers. And I just want to touch on the kind of, yeah, the social media aspects, like your page is great, like the, the updates that you provide and kind of, even just the brand awareness of other brands, like uh, is that something you run yourself or is that outsourced? Um, to yeah, no, I do
0: it myself, which is why it's like not super regular. <laughs> so oh, I'm to get better at that. But it was like it was honestly like when I was having all of that stress, the social media on top of it was like yeah. the tip of the iceberg that was breaking me. Like I, I I nearly outsourced it, and maybe it's something I'll do in time, but. You know, I was just like, just do it, just like spend an hour a week and just schedule the yeah. whole thing, and it's not so painful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's I, I think it's just like, I'm, it was funny actually because one of my competitors I was having a chat with on the like the other day. And it, the amount of what gives us both uh, driving us both insane is the amount of people on Instagram that reach out to you and ask for free stuff.
1: Um, I could I mean, imagine.
0: Even, I mean, maybe you get it too with your brand, Ben, but, like, it's just, like, I'm sorry, you're not you're not that famous, mate. Like, um, it's, it's just kind of this rude thing, and, and we kind of just, I think the industry or that whole space, it's, like, these brands think that all these pages, they just start up and they get a, some sort of microwave following, and they think they can just ask for free stuff all day long, and it's just, like, it's inauthentic, you know, and it's, um, I just, it kind of, it's almost put me off wanting to have a consumer business because that whole thing seems so fake in a way. But I mean, I know it works. But I guess that's a little bit cynical. But yeah, I think that's just been one thing to kind of try and figure out because everyone's using influencers, but how to use them smartly to get a return.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Like, I and that's since since launching Doggylicious, like I looked, I looked at like the amount of effort that people put into their social media, and for me, I looked at that and went. You know what if I get one sale I put all I put four hours in of posts and making content and I get one sale that technically is what fifteen dollars um yeah, yeah. Out, of that, out of that you you take your little profit um which is minimal to be honest, yeah and exactly. you kind of go, I could have put that four hours building the business, which is kind of the view that I've taken from the start by going. I'd rather send emails to potential like outlets and stores and category managers and kind of um, magazines and stuff like that to kind of go, I'd rather want people ordering cartons than single units. And I look at the amount of time that people spend on social media from a small brand and they send samples after samples to all these micro influencers that literally, yeah, you kind of look at it going, that was a lot of effort, but a lot of cost as well. Like I think, yeah. When I, when I was sending samples out at the start, I was like, "Oh, there's twenty dollars gone. There's another twenty dollars no, gone." I
0: so agree, and like I get brands wanting to send me samples all the time as well, just because mm-hmm. they probably think they can feature them in my box. But I'm so conscious now. I'm like, look. I'm not going to, I know that I'm not going to buy your product in the next like couple of months. Please don't waste your money sending it to me. Like I'm more than happy for you to reach out to me then, but I just think it's so rude. And like, I know what it costs because I'm sending out samples too. And it's just like, there is a lot of cost to that, you know? And it's like, if they post a story, which is up for five seconds and they post your competitor's product in the same story, <laughs> which I've had before, I'm like, oh my Lord, like what did I just do that for? And it's so demanding as well. It's just like, oh my God.
1: Oh, I completely agree. And I I just can't believe, yeah, what a, like a year I'm hearing so many different stories, like from suppliers in food and just kind of businesses that you'd be aware of as well. And other like uh, food manufacturers and it's just been crazy. But Mm -hmm. what, what I wanted to touch on is like COVID push COVID aside when you were dealing with your clients and we'll call them businesses and accounts. Did you notice that the the clients that would take your product were more caring to their staff for like health reasons and just kind of cultural reasons or yeah what, what was the main kind of point as to at the end of the day they could have stuck with the fruit box and they don't have to give staff anything like at the end of the day like people I think people especially millennials like myself and I think you are as well from Uh, seeing you randomly once. Um, You're not that Mm. old. Um, (laughs) Like, everyone wants perks. Everyone wants free gym memberships and kind of uh, free massages. But at the end of the day, uh, a business doesn't have to give you anything. No, they're they're giving you a wage. They're paying you an hourly wage that represents the skill set. Like, do you notice that businesses... That choose you kind of want to grow kind of yeah like happiness and a better attitude yeah. to I employees. think
0: that like that corporates do this um sort of have these benefits it's for a number of reasons but a lot of the time it's um they want to be an employer of choice or be recognized in that way so um they kind of you know having snacks or food available in the office is something that they can list in jobs job ads you know um glass is another one where that's kind of your company profile where potential employees can like, you know, check out your ratings, check out what staff have to say about you, look at your benefits and all of that. Because I think now it's not all about like, you know, um, it is about work-life balance. It's, I mm-hmm. mean, snacks is one component of it, right? So um, having like, you know, I think having a well-being focused um, employer it's just like if, if you if you kinda of look at this millennial culture or you know, or, or just even um, anyone really, it's like no one can no one can sort of doubt that there's a massive health and well being lifestyle movement. That we can see it through um, Instagram, all these sorts of things. So if you are a person that cares about your health and then you go to work and there's, you know, chocolate and lollies and Tim Tams everywhere and it's free, you're gonna eat it. You're gonna shovel it in your mouth. I mean, I'm a health nut and when I was working at Macquarie and they had Tim Tams there. Chances are, <laughs> I would put it in my mouth sometimes too, and I really did not want to, and I wasn't even hungry, but it's there. And you just feel bad about yourself. So, yeah. if, if it's like if your workplace kind of makes you develop bad habits that make you feel bad about yourself, then you don't feel good about that, you know. But if, if your employer is helping you live up to the lifestyle um, aspirations that you have and your own health aspirations, if you are going to the gym every day or trying to be better, and you have the right products to support your lifestyle there, then that kind of just, like, it sets you in the right place. So I think that's kind of, like, one part of it. Um, But then it's also, like, as I sort of mentioned, like, these products, a lot of the time if we're dealing with, um, you know, companies that have, um, like, say, if it's a tech company and they're a US-based company, they the Australian operations are, you know, it might be a contact centre, it might be a sales support office. So those people are very much phone-based, or, uh-huh. or even like law firms or whatever, you know. So these people are busy doing work. So if they're if if providing a two dollars snack means that their staff member is not who that they can charge out at to one hundred and fifty dollars an hour or three hundred dollars an hour, and they haven't lost half an hour going out to find some food, yeah. then they've more money, right? So, um, and a lot of the time, like because I, like one of my um old housemates used to run a tech a very large tech company, and he would say that you know they could um they could charge their, sorry, their, their salaries were a little bit less than their competitors. So they would just have some perks and yep. the staff were happy. So actually they, a lot of the time they're actually saving money on um, salaries, which, so it's much cheaper to have these perks And you know, if you work it out per day, it's like might be $2 per head per day or might be a dollar per head per day, if not less. And and what would, what would, up, what would increasing your staff wages cost in comparison, you know? So if you work it out, over your workforce it's not a lot of money
1: yeah no I think I've, I honestly think that's fantastic and it's such a, a I wouldn't say niche because it's it's just a it's just an updated version of where things are going um, I think
0: it's a modern think- employer way to think I think most yeah. and I think I think what's been most frustrating about COVID it's like this this sort of corporate snacking is very big in the US, and it. It's been a slog, you know, to like get it to where it is, and we were finally having enough growth to take out our own website and all these sorts of things. But like, it's it's Australia was definitely behind in that sort of um, employee recognition and well-being space, um, and it was only kind of really starting to get traction in the last sort of year.
1: That's that. Well, it's this episode. I've got to admit, actually, I've I've enjoyed like I enjoyed most of them. Some of mm-hmm. them. a a bit too techie for my understanding and I I have to kind of go, I hope people understood that. But I honestly have really enjoyed kind of hearing your story and hearing like just what has happened this year and how you've adapted. And also I like, I love snacks. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm probably the same as you. I could smash a, a box of Tim Tams before I've even known what I've done and, and I'm still hungry. So what you're doing is providing yeah the snacks that I actually enjoy and I see the brands as well and I've probably spoken to half of them on this podcast and mm-hmm. I just think your business concept is fantastic and I hope that anyone who is listening um, like I know there's a few big brands out there and a few big businesses I just think yeah sending a care package to your staff who are working from home like culture now is more important than ever to kind of get everyone on board and try and get those that last five percent or just that little bit extra out your staff because everyone is drained like everyone because of the uncertainty and i think um getting something through the post is always a nice feel and especially if it's a healthy snack uh, it just still means that you're caring for your staff even if they're not in sight so ash could you tell everyone where they can find yourself snack proud and your social media, social media handles.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so you can look up uh, my business, um, it's www.snackproud.com.au and, um, the Instagram is snack underscore proud and you can connect with me, um, on my LinkedIn. So that's Ashley, um, Whitaker. Yeah, so um, always love to hear from people. Um, We have launched a few of our own snacks under my own brand now. So also, you know, if you are looking to add some innovative snacks to your own range, I'm, you know, definitely keen to talk to any sort of distributors or retailers or anyone who just wants some cool snacks.
1: Amazing. And yeah, just just to add to some more headaches of yours, yeah, you went into your own branded snacks, which are absolutely awesome so what Mm. you've done in that space again is yeah it's just fantastic i know you just released that seed bar that Mm -hmm. um actually like i I saw it i was like it's pretty like the the branding i think they've done a great job and again it touches on that kind of healthy snacking like you've you're ticking a load of boxes with that product so Mm. i hope uh i hope you have a, a a lot of success in that space because yeah it's a it's a completely different channel again which again just shows your adaptability and uh, where the brand can go so absolute pleasure having you Ashley I think uh, I think it's been fantastic a lot of knowledge and a lot of lessons learned so I look forward to well I'm following you on Instagram so I look forward to following more of your stories knowing that you're the person behind it as well yeah yeah that's it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> absolute pleasure well thank you
0: awesome thanks so much